two dudes soaring on dragons. This is the Max Level Podcast. Welcome home. For the uninitiated, Max Level is a weekly breakfast powwow brought to you by RPGera.com. I'm your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this morning, he is the host of The Media Files. Every Friday, it is Kyle. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Man, we both are awake. It's different. I know. We, we don't sound on. like we're half asleep. I kind of do still. I'm a little stuffy a little this bit, morning. But that's the okay. Nose. That's all right. But no, it's fine. Yeah. I woke up like an hour ago. Uh, this is unusual. I usually am waking up like right about now. So I yeah, is, uh, no, I did too. I woke up like 45 minutes ago. My kids were in I, like I, nothing woke me up. I just, you know, it was like in the cartoons when the birds are like outside the window whistling and you just wake up feeling great. That's how I was 45 minutes ago. Like an old Disney cartoon. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Special shout out to Occam's Laser for a majority of the music you hear today during the show. Go check them out wherever you can find music and people, including YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You won't be disappointed. Please take a moment and do us a favor if you'd be so kind. Head on over to Apple Podcasts or whichever app you've chosen to listen to us on and drop us a quick rating and a review. It really does help us out so that this show continues to grow. And remember, we are on Patreon now as well. Patreon.com forward slash RPG era. Check out our tiers, see what we're doing, and if you feel inclined, toss us a couple bucks each month. If not, continue to listen to the episodes as they upload each week's wonders as well. And of course, special shout out to current executive producers, Jexax and Zenku. All right, man, we are, uh, you know, took a little unintended absence once again as I struggle to edit multiple podcasts each week, but that is okay. The episode we recorded a few weeks ago is finally live and we are back and hopefully everything will be at least in the right week moving forward. That's that's the plan. That's the hope. Anyway, that is the hope. <laughs> Can never guarantee it, but that's the hope. We so all we'll have, have to hopes. See how, yeah, we all have hopes. Yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. But I'm excited because as we transition into what's new with you, we are talking a big game this week. A game that I think everybody was legitimately excited for. Everyone except Sev. Everyone except Sev because he's a loser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's okay. We know that. We still accept him as the loser that he is. But we knew that this game was going to be probably the only real threat, right, for Elden Ring's quest on Game of the Year. And that is God of War Ragnarok. It released, what, on... November 9th? 9th. 9th, yeah, Wednesday. Weird. It's weird. It came out on a Wednesday, so about a week and a half ago... I know you and I have been putting some time into it. I'm probably a little further than you are, but that's okay. We won't really go into any spoiler story territory while we're talking about this because it is a very narrative heavy and narrative driven game. So I don't want to spoil it for anyone that's still in the midst of playing and may pick it up in the future, right? Because that is one of the selling points of God of War is the story, in my opinion. Um, it's in, it's been pretty incredible so far in Ragnarok. I, I really like what they've done. It feels like you're watching a fucking movie at times. Like it's it's that good, man. It's that it really good is. in some of these cutscenes. And maybe maybe the best voice acting that I've ever experienced in a video game up to this point. And I'm I'm really taking into consideration a lot of the voice acting that we've, you know, been treated with things like Red Dead Redemption 2, um, The Last of Us series, you know, the, these games that really kind of push forward narrative storytelling in the video game medium. I think that this is the most impressed I've ever been with voice acting up to this point. And 
big, big actors making cameos in this game that I'm that I'm very impressed with. Um, the only thing I can think of that kind of compares in terms of like pulling in these really big name actors to voice act into it was probably Death Stranding. Death Stranding uh, did a lot of that. There were a lot of cameos from different people here and there. Uh, this game does the same. And when you start looking at all of the voice actors in this game, you start thinking, holy smokes, they pulled together a massive cast. If this was a Hollywood movie, this would be a massive cast, right? This would right. be no. This yeah, would absolutely. get some news for for you know pulling Big all budget. of these names together. Big budget, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it shows. It really shows. Uh, a lot of these characters are are just so well done. Uh, and I assume we're not going to get into major spoiler territory. I'm no, not terribly no. deep into the game yet, um, and I don't know how far you are into the game either. I've been to three realms so far. Okay. Okay, so you're a little bit further than I am, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, just very early into the game, there is a there is a scene, and it's a it's a relatively long cutscene, but it's between one Odin, of my favorite cutscenes I think I've ever seen yeah. in a video game. Yeah, Odin and Thor come and visit Kratos and Atreus, and it's it's maybe maybe five to ten minutes long of a discussion that they have around Kratos's table. But it's just stellar. It it's is amazing. just absolutely superb. Uh, it, the voice actor for Thor is one of the guys from Sons of Anarchy, in fact. I, I recognized his voice and looked up to make sure it was him, and sure enough, it was. But uh, I was so impressed. So impressed with the dialogue, how it's written. Um, very, very natural interactions between these characters. And like I said, if this was a live action film, you know, some blockbuster tentpole film by Lionsgate Studios, you know, God of War Ragnarok, I would still be very impressed with the acting in the script. Yeah, I'm looking now to see, um, you know, like the, the basic cast here because I had already looked it up, but may as well here for the show. You know, obviously Christopher Judge is back as, as right. Kratos, which is amazing. He does such a good job. Uh, Atreus is Sonny Suljic, who was he? Atreus? He was. He was. Yeah, he was in the first game as well. And Which is kinda, a good move because good his move voice has aged. It, it has, and he's aged, right? Like, he's still right. a young, younger child, so I think it makes sense just to have him kind of keep progressing as the character. Uh, Danielle Basuti is back as Freya. Robert Craighead is Brock. Adam John Harrington is Sindri. You got and Alistair that's kind of Duncan the, the main returning cast, right? Yeah, yeah. And then everybody else is theoretically newer. But obviously, as you mentioned, Ryan Hurst voicing Thor, Ben uh, Prendergast on Tear. We have Deborah Ann Wall as uh, LaFay. There's some Ooh, big I, names I, in here. I love Deborah Ann Wall. I'm, I've got a huge crush on Deborah Ann Wall, and I didn't recognize her voice at first, but once I once I learned it was her, I was pretty pretty pleased about that. I thought that was great. Yeah, there's definitely some some bigger name actors and actresses in Ragnarok, which I think is is really nice. Not a lot of usual voice actors, right? Like they did kind of spend the budget, spend the money to get some bigger names in order to make this, I feel like more of a Hollywood presentation. Exactly. What I I love is that Richard Schiff is Odin, I think is a a great pull. Yep. 
what I absolutely love is that there's a character in the game, Rob, who is voiced by Bear McCreary, the composer of the series. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Yeah, amazing. It looks, literally the character looks just like Bear McCreary. Uh, Troy Baker makes a small role in this. and in, in fact, one of my favorite voice actors uh, makes a makes a role in this as a talking, I, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but a talking animal of sorts. Um, but Sung Wan Cho. Sung Wan Cho, yeah. Yeah, he's one of my favorite voice actors. He's one of my favorite YouTubers. Uh, his YouTube channel is ProZD, and he is so funny. He does a lot of like little skits, but mm-hmm. he also does like ramen reviews okay and then he'll he'll do like tea reviews he de- he has like he has like a and then like a board game review he has a really funny youtube channel pro zd uh but he's one of my favorites i think he's absolutely hilarious and very he's, very talented he's been in a lot of things he was in agritsetsuku the he's anime been in so yeah. much stuff yeah river, river city girls he was in um the yakuza I wanna say he was in the borderlands games as well may have been i know he was in yakuza um He's he's been around. He was in Rune Factory, Fire Emblem, Warriors Three Hopes. I mean, he's definitely getting his name out there more and more. And I feel like Ragnarok is probably the biggest release that he's been a part of so far. Probably. Also, one of my uh, in Discord a few weeks ago, we had a discussion about our our five biggest crushes, our five Hollywood crushes. Do you remember this? I do remember this. Yeah, one of mine is in the game. Is he? She, she, Milana Vaintrub has a role as a character named Lunda. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Milana Vaintrub makes a makes an appearance as a character in this game, and I just have the biggest. For those that don't know who Milana Vaintrub is, she's the AT and T girl from the AT and T commercials. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's in the game. Super cool. Yeah, it's such just a big a cast. Game. Yeah, I was gonna say such a big cast for an amazing game. It's a perfect game to release around this time, right? I mean, you think of Hollywood, right, and the Academy Awards season, and a lot of movies come out around a time when they know it makes sense for the awards and the nominees, right? It tends to happen that way. Right. And I think God of War Ragnarok releasing around this time, theoretically just a few weeks before the biggest game awards presentation in the industry with Jeff Keighley's Game Awards, that that feels like a Hollywood move to me. And it makes a ton of sense when this is basically a Hollywood presentation. Not only that, but also... This is a very, in, in many parts of this game, a very winter game, right? True. Yeah, you start out as Fimble Winter, or yes, as we as we talked winter. about, Fimble Winter, as we tried to yes, figure out last on the last show. <laughs> but uh, it, it is a very winter game. I do think that this is the appropriate time of year for this type of game also. Uh, but yes, it, it, and it's a strategy, right? You put it out kind of around this time, number one, for holiday sales, but number two, also for awards presents. Yeah, and you and I were talking, I think it was even on the show, like the last six or seven years worth of Game Award winners, like for Game of the Year, have all released earlier. Yes, in the year, the first half of the year. Yeah, yeah. This could be this could be the first one to actually release in this time period that has a legit chance. And I do think it has a chance. You know, I've, I'm like six or seven hours in at this point. I feel like, I, and I still haven't seen everything Ragnarok has to offer in terms of new gameplay mechanics and new elements to the to the formula, but I feel like this actually has a legit chance 
to walk away with Game of the Year. It's either going to be this or Elden Ring, as we keep talking about. I know Elden Ring... Parts of me still think Elden Ring has a better chance to win Game of the Year. I think it's going to go one of two ways. I think either Elden Ring cleans up the Game Awards... And then Ragnarok gets Game of the Year, or vice versa. Ragnarok gets every other award, and then Elden Ring walks away Game of the Year. It's going to go one of those two ways. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk about that later in, in the yes, main discussion. Yes, we do have our winner predictions later on in the show. Yeah. Yes, but uh, it's going to be one of the two. Yeah. Yeah, so in terms of gameplay, Ragnarok starts you off basically... It is a sequel, right, to 2018's God of War. Sean was in Discord. His wife picked him up Ragnarok as a surprise gift, and he was like, can I just jump right in, or do I need to play the first? And I was like, nah, dude. You need to fucking play the first, because it legit is a direct sequel, right? Like, this game takes place shortly after the conclusion to 2018's God of War. They're still dealing with everything that happened in that original game, and have you skipped the first, I feel like you wouldn't get the same enjoyment and the same fun out of Ragnarok because you're going to be introduced quickly to a lot of these characters that you fell in love with throughout the first game, like Brock and Sindri. And and he has been right. I I you know going through God of War Ragnarok, getting to know those characters, I it it makes for a better experience. I I don't think that this is a game that should be skipped going straight into Ragnarok. Right. I think that you should have the background, and not just not just Brock and Sindri, but Freya. Freya, Thor to an extent. I mean, you know, you got a little tease. Yeah, Thor to an extent. Um. But I mean, one of the big plot points of the first game is is the relationship with Balder, and that's I mean that immediately becomes important in this game, and you need to know what happened with Balder. I mean, five minutes plus into starting Atreus's the game. identity. Oh yes, exactly. Yes, that too, because they don't hide that right away. Like right, <laughs> right, right when Ragnarok starts, like you know they're already talking about who Atreus actually is, and I don't want to. I don't want to give that away, even though I feel like it is common knowledge at this point. The game is still fresh, so I'm not going to jump into that. Um, Gameplay wise, you you know, you pick up right where we left off. You still have access to the, you know, to your blades, to your axe, a lot of the same moves that you had the ability to do in the original 2018 God of War. You still have access to and it just kind of keeps building on that formula that they kind of perfected with the release a few years ago, adding in some new elements as you go. There are new gameplay elements as well. I, I don't know. You've probably already seen some of them just by exploring a little bit in the couple hours that you've been. Have you been to um, the first realm at least yet? Yes. Okay, so like the the wetlands or whatever. What was it actually? It's It starts with an S. Everything's named funny in these games, and if I don't make like a special note in my brain, like remember this name, I won't. It's the dwarven like realm, basically. Yeah. I just don't remember the name of that one to, to be exact, but um, there are some things that you can see in that realm that you know Oh, shit, I have to come back later. There's a there's a shrine with things like suspended in the air and like suspended animation almost like you need a special ability to interact with these shrines that you'll get later on. And then there are some like glowing rocks. You'll you might see like a rock with like a yellow impact point or something in the middle. Eventually you'll get a spear that you can throw at these rocks to break them and kind of change the environment to an extent. That's something Spartal you'll pick pine. up later. 
Svart, that's it. Yep, that's, Svartalana. That's why I don't remember it, because it's a stupid name. Yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> you, you do get the ability to build on your repertoire of stuff that you can do as Kratos. And then there's one thing that I want to mention. It's not really a spoiler, but I love and I really, really want more of the gameplay. And there probably is more. Again, I'm only six or seven hours in. There probably is more, but I feel like this is setting up for the future as well. You do get to play as Atreus. Yes. You know, I, it's it's really cool. And and I and I like when they do this with games, right? When they do try to take games into The Last directions. of Us did that. You started yes. out playing as Joel, and then in the winter you played as Ellie. Exactly. Yeah. I think and it's, what did I that set cool. up? It set up The Last of Us Part Two, where you, you played, played as Ellie, as Ellie until you didn't. Yeah. Um. You know, I one thing I do want to mention about this game is is just as it came out, you know, Digital Foundry did their you know their whole breakdown of it, and a lot of people were saying that it's a great looking game, uh, but God of War 2018 still holds up graphically. It and does. It really does. Right. And if you know, it's not that you know, that big of a difference above God of War. There is some truth to that. I disagree, There's some though. truth to that. There's some I, truth, but I disagree to an extent. I played God of War 2018 earlier this year, and now I'm playing Ragnarok, and I think the difference is pretty significant. I do, too. First off, because this is developed for next-gen. 2018 was not, right. and it didn't run as smooth. If you played it on PS4 Pro, it was pretty good. Right. But if you play Ragnarok on a PS5 as the only place you can, well, I guess you can play it on PS4 as well, but it is natively developed for PS5. You can legit play in 4K, like roughly 40 frames per second if you want to, but you can play 2K blazing 60, and it looks incredible. It looks absolutely amazing, and it's not that God of War didn't, but Ragnarok is a step higher. It's a level above it, and it's it was immediately apparent to me. Yep, me too. I am having a blast. I, I'm disappointed that I haven't been able to get further into it than I wanted to be by the time we talked about it. I feel like I say that a lot when we talk about games here on the show just because my playtime has been dwindling with everything that I'm doing for work now and then obviously trying to stay up to date on the podcasts and recording and everything. I don't have a ton of fucking time to put into video games anymore, which really makes me sad. There's so many things, dude, that I haven't finished, so many things that I want to jump into, and I just I feel like I I never get a chance to anymore. Um, I miss being able to sit down and just play games all the time. I really, really miss that. I hope that I'll be able to do that again in the future, but I just, man, it's tough. It's tough now. So it is. Um, I'm looking forward to hopefully this weekend making some more progress into Ragnarok. I do know tonight, the night we're recording, it's November 19th as of time of recording. I feel like I should start saying the date like you do for the media files every time we record just because I know I post late. So people know like, oh, this was actually, you know, current when they talked about it. But um, tonight is AEW's pay-per-view full gear. I know I'll be watching that starting around like six or seven. So uh, my, my, my playtime today is going to be a little less because I also need to edit some podcasts today as well so but I'm hoping between today and tomorrow I'll be able to make some good progress into Ragnarok I'd like to finish it soon just because I I definitely want to finish it before the game awards but I really really want to finish this as soon as possible I'm having a blast and a big reason that I haven't been putting more time into Ragnarok is because when I do have a chance to play video games, we've been talking about it for like a month and a half now, I feel like. 
Warcraft has pulled me back in. World of Warcraft is a big thing still right now. And, you know, I'm still putting in a fuck ton of time into classic Warcraft with Wrath of the Lich King Classic. I know that's where you're at now. We got Sean in. Sean's on our mm-hmm. realm finally again. And he's leveling up his uh, his hunter, Daddy Magic. Shout out to uh, Matt Menard and AEW, Daddy Magic. That's where that name came from. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we have a really solid raid team going in Classic. We we are all getting geared up. I just did some 25-man content this week, and I'm almost to 4,000 gear score now, so I feel like I'm, I'm catching up to where those in the guild that we play with, you know, some of them play a lot more often than you and I do, and they raid a lot more often. I'm catching up to where they are at in terms of gear. But within the last two weeks or so, eh, maybe three weeks, I guess, the initial pre-patch released for... Dragonflight, the retail expansion for World of Warcraft that's coming out on November 28th. And this past week on November 15th, part two of the pre-patch released. And part two is the uh, the version of the pre-patch that released the new dungeon. Uh, the new, like the new wing of Uldamon is now available that deals with some stuff going into Dragonflight. You have the ability to do the primal event, like the, you know, the pre-patch event where you can get some catch-up gear and some toys and that kind of shit. Uh, there's the introductory quest to Dragonflight, which you can already do. That'll get you ready to go and jump on the the Zeppelin or the boat to head to the Dragon Isles as soon as they're available on the 28th. But the big thing that came out on the 15th was the Drac Theory Evokers, the new race and class in Retail World of Warcraft. And I don't know if you know this. You and I haven't talked a ton about our appreciation of the lore in World of Warcraft and like what we like and what we don't like about the lore. I know we've talked some, like I know we're both big fans of Illidan and then the Burning Crusade. I know we're both big fans of the Lich King and Arthas and, and some of the things that surround that. But one of the things that I absolutely love about Warcraft's lore has always been the dragon aspects. Yeah, I I mean, I really do like Warcraft's lore. I think that it's gone off the rails, right? And I think that there have been there have been attempts to kind of rein the lore back in to some degree. Um, I think that Shadowlands was a win in some ways and a misstep in others. I think Shadowlands was a way for them to fix some of the things that they fucked up. Right, right. I think that uh, Battle for Azeroth, again, a win in many ways and, you know, not in some others. Uh, but Warlords of Draenor, I thought, was really cool lore-wise because most of that was just history, you know, and, yeah. and I thought that that was very neat. Legion was really cool for lore. Legion was very, very cool for lore. I, I think that this is the expansion where I feel like they're actually creating new lore that belongs in the universe of World of Warcraft without branching out way too far in ways that I wouldn't expect to exist, if that makes sense. You have the return of the dragon aspects, right? The last time we've really seen them so involved was Cataclysm. And that's a big reason that I still like Cataclysm as much as I do, because if you remember, in the Dragon Soul raid, you fought alongside all of the dragon aspects to take down Deathwing in the end. Like they were they they played a really big role and you kind of assumed that there was more to the story and that, you know, they would be back. We just didn't think it would take 10 years for them to revisit the actual dragon aspect lore. Alex Straza is one of my favorite characters in the 
entirety of Warcraft. I absolutely love her. The you know the red dragon flight aspect. I think she is phenomenal as a character. Uh, but I also am a big fan of you know Caligos and Nazdormu. I, when I trick or treated right. on your media files, I dressed up as Nazdormu. Like I'm a big fan of the of the dragon aspects and Isera, obviously the green dragonflight aspect, who unfortunately was killed off in Legion, but then brought back in Shadowlands. <laughs> like I said, they're they're kind of changing some of the stuff that they did. Um, but I'm excited because alongside these dragon aspects, they have introduced proto-dragons, right? Which are basically another sect of the aspects. And there's, you know, evil proto-dragons now. And these are probably the big bads for the expansion. You get introduced to one, I forget her name, um, right at the start when you are doing the Drakthir Evoker starting area. You kind of get introduced to the first one that's the, the first big threat. And it's the one that you will take down or at least fight, maybe not take down, but fight in the first raid. The Vault of the Incarnates, I think, is the name of the raid um, in, in Dragonflight. But I jumped in. I started my Evoker. They start at level 58. They are a hero class, right? So they start higher level. So when you start your Evoker, you only have to gain two levels to get to current max level 60 before Dragonflight comes out, and then it'll increase to 70. Um, Evokers can play as either DPS with their, I think it's called Devastation? Maybe not. Might be Devastation. And then you can play as a healer, which is called Preservation. Okay. And I, obviously, I'm a healer in Classic Warcraft on my Disc Priest. I'm going to be healing in Dragonflight on the Preservation Evoker. I am playing Horde. You know, I, I, I pretty much solely Horde now, which is a first for me. But I feel like that also is making me more invested because there's a lot that I don't know about the Horde. Most of my experience with Warcraft was on the Alliance side. I was Alliance pretty much my entire career up until this year when I rejoined Classic with you guys, jumped in on Horde on Grobulus, and now I'm reuniting with a friend that I used to raid with on my old team back on the Alliance for several expansions from like Wrath up through Legion, the end of Legion. I rejoined up with him, and he's in a guild now on Thrall on Retail WoW on Horde. So I'm I'm legit soul horde at this point. I transferred my shaman, my demon hunter, and my druid to thrall. So I have them over there pretty much at max level, and then the evoker is max level, and then I boosted a monk because I had I had two boosts basically. I had a level 50 boost from when I got Shadowlands, and I had a level 60 boost from when I got Dragonflight, and I never used the 50 boost. So I boosted up a monk to 50 and it's already 60 and then I leveled a hunter to get the horde allied races unlocked so I did all that while leveling a goblin hunter he's now basically max level because it, it, it dude it takes no time at all like you think about the time it took to level in classic wrath right from like 1 to 70 or 1 to 80 whatever right like if you went from 1 to 70 before wrath came out or 1 to 80 once it did come out it takes forever it takes forever it's a to grind. level up yeah. it's a grind in retail it's a joke it takes like no time at all the requirements for each level are blazing fast you can go from 1 to 60 right now in about 5 hours that's it takes actually crazy, no time yeah takes no time at all if you are 50 trying to get to 60 on alts by the time the expansion comes out run a dungeon one dungeon is two levels Uh, basically (laughs) 
And that's with rested XP. So, I mean, it's still, but it's just, it takes no time at all. So, and you can, uh, a guy I work with, he's actually the account manager for the program that I'm working for on my, in my company. Um, you know, he's not in the, cause I'm in the training department. He's on like the service delivery side. So he's technically in like a different department, but I still interact with him on a daily basis because we support the same program. He and I have become pretty good friends over the last several weeks because he's also a major World of Warcraft player. Uh, he plays Alliance and he has been leveling characters by just AFKing during work near the primal events current going on and getting experience. So he went from 46 to 50 or 46 to 60 in like three hours just by AFKing. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so easy. It's so different. And I know that's why a lot of people, you know, don't like retail compared to, to classic, but I respect both sides of the equation. I I'm a fan of both. I don't really care. I just like gameplay. Like that's, that's what drives me in. So um, I'm looking forward like to UI update. Light. Oh, you know what I do actually. I really there's aspects of it that I think need some work still. And I remember I was going through it after the initial patch or part one of the pre patch came out. I shared my screen with you in Discord, and I was kind of showing you some things about the UI. I think the ability to get rid of dominoes if you're using dominoes or bartender or any of those action bar add-ons, you don't really need them anymore because they're built in, right? Like the same primarily the same stuff that you could do with those you could do now just in the game itself there are still some reasons to retain the add-ons if you want them you know you can still move the experience bar with bartender or dominoes you can't in the actual ui update so there is still a reason for some people probably to hang on to some of these add-ons but for me who i don't really care about things i just like more compact action bars than what the initial ui gave you you can now do that so okay. I was able to, you know, set up my screen very similar to how I have it set up in classic Warcraft with, you know, like three columns of whatever it is next to my main action bars. And then I have condensed action bars like four in a row with smaller buttons Um the ability to move around your character portraits and your target focus portraits and all that stuff with just in the base UI is really nice. Um, I think it's really nice. It's It's been cleaned up and made way more modern. I think it needed to happen. But I know that they know there's still more work that needs to be done. And they've said that. They, they, they're not done updating the UI. They just got it to the point that they wanted it to be at for Dragonflight's release. But they're still going to be tweaking things. Like the minimap still needs tweaked. They made it a little bit bigger. but um, And you can move it around. But you can't rescale it unless you use an in-game script. Like you can actually rescale it with a script. But you can't just rescale it through the edit mode. And you also can't change the way it looks in the edit mode either, which I think is a disappointment because if you use an add-on like Sexy Map, you have the ability to have it look so many different ways and you can skin it and customize it. I feel like that should be something that's built in and I feel like it will be in the future. Sure. But otherwise... Step in the right direction, though. It's a step, yeah. Otherwise, it's Fall a step in. in the right direction, yeah. Like, I feel like Blizzard has a, a really good chance to knock this expansion out of the park. This one is looking really strong. 
Obviously, it's building on established Warcraft lore that a lot of people are are really into. But as you said a few minutes ago, it's setting up new lore that makes sense to the Warcraft universe and the Azeroth history. So I'm excited to see where this one goes. I'm really looking forward to some of the new content, the raids, obviously. They are going to be adding new story elements throughout time over this expansion. They have completely, and I haven't even jumped into to it yet but they've completely reworked the crafting and profession system they made each one of those feel unique and individual so that way like you feel like you're a leather a leather worker you feel like you're a blacksmith right like they they've done a lot of work on professions that i think is really cool um i'm excited to see where this goes drac uh the drac fear as a race are the most customizable in warcraft now there are so many things that you can customize about the Drakthir from That's awesome. individual color aspects and elements. They the have models the, look great. The man. models are I mean, stellar, man. Stellar yeah, they look models. Awesome. And I know other, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't want to abandon their established mains and, you know, evokers can only be Drakthir. Drakthir can only be evokers. It works both ways. So um, there are a lot of people that are now clamoring for Blizzard to eventually add the same custom uh, customization options that Drakthir have to other races because, again, they, they pretty much blow every other race out of the water when it turns to making them feel unique and making them feel individual. So it's pretty cool. Um, I don't have a ton more to say about Dragonflight just because it's not out yet, but I know I'll talk about it again. Yeah, I'll talk about it again after it releases. Um, And then a spoiler alert for those that listen to this show. I don't know if we have a ton of crossover listeners between Max Level and BG Mania, but Kyle, you will be joining me soon after Dragonflight's release for another bonus episode of BG Mania where we jump into the soundtrack for Dragonflight. And... And you'll be joining me relatively soon on Media Files as we as we go into spoiler content for the tale of uh, God of War Ragnarok. Oh, are we going to do that one? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. I didn't know that, but that's good. I'll be there. <laughs> We've only done one one video game Media Files this year. Elden Ring. Yeah. yeah. So we may as well and do I God of War. We, I think we got to do one more, yeah. Okay. I'll be there. I'll be there. Sounds good to me. But that is what's new with you for this week. So let's jump into a little Sean Wolman lightning round. Very light news week, in my opinion. We didn't have a ton of things pop up. I think the biggest news that came out of this week was the official nominees for the Game Awards, which we're going to cover in the main discussion a little bit later on. So this Sean Waltman Lightning Round is not going to take us very long. We'll put 10 minutes on the clock, and it begins right now. Publisher Cacao Games and developer XL Games have announced open-world action MMORPG Arc Age 2 for PC and consoles. A release date was not announced at the time, nor was there any, like, description of the game. Did you know the there was a Arc trailer? Age? There was a trailer, and I did watch it. And the I trailer also watched was it. awesome. It was awesome. I watched Asmogold watch it, too. Yeah, and, me too. <laughs> um, did you play the original Arc Age? I did not, but I know people who did and said it was filled with great ideas and terrible execution. Same. I never played it, but I thought it had good... 
ideas that just weren't fully realized. It's it's almost entirely player run. The economy, the justice, I mean, everything depends on like player run government. And Arc Age 2 looks like it's building on that formula, but it already looks immensely better. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited, and I think I'm going to check this out. I think this is one that I'll probably check out as well. Yeah. I know it probably won't be free to play. I mean, it shouldn't be free to play. I hope it's not free to play. I hope it's like Guild Wars, right? Or or an MMO like right. that where you buy it and then there's no monthly sub. That's kind of my hope. But either way, once Arc Age 2 releases, I do think I'm going to jump in. This looks way better than New World. Looks way better than a lot of other new MMOs that have come out recently. I do think this is one that I could see myself putting some time into and and maybe sticking with if it's good enough. We are years out from that also. Oh, yeah. So. It, this is like 2025, 2026. Yeah. Yeah. I might be dead by then. Oh, we all might be. That's true. Continuing its tradition of teasing new titles, the latest entry in the Dark Pictures anthology, The Devil and Me, includes a teaser trailer for the next game in the series, officially titled The Dark Pictures Anthology Directive 8020. It is labeled as the season two premiere of the series. This is a uh, a sci-fi horror game, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. And you know what, man? I love this. Yeah. I, I think, think Supermassive has kind of carved out their role in the game industry, right? Like, they know what they're good at. They know what they need to do. These types of games. These, um, you know, Until Dawn, right? The Quarry. They're really good at these types of games. And they're always so fucking fun. I have not played The Devil in Me yet. It just came out yesterday, right? Like, the game just released. I haven't had a chance to jump in. I will eventually. I didn't pick it up yet, but I will. I'll probably Gamefly it because once I play these, just like I game the quarry earlier this year once I play through them once I tend not to play through them again unless the platinum trophy like until dawn's platinum trophy was really easy to obtain and I know they generally always are anyway but I tend to only play through them once just for the story and to see like how my story unfolds who I lose who survives right like right. I will play through the devil in me but I like that they're keeping this going because when they initially announced the Dark Pictures Anthology, it was a trilogy. But I think they realize how popular these games are now and there's no end in sight. And there shouldn't be. Like, they can just change, uh, swap character models, right? The engine doesn't really change. They just need to make new environments and then they have a brand new story they can tell. That's how they're cranking these out in such short times. Like, they're they're really good at this. Yep. And games that I want to play. I still need to play all of them. I think they're all on the PlayStation Plus catalog except for the newest one. Except for this one, yeah. So, I I know you and Lindsay enjoy running through those together. So, yeah. Good shit. Did you see this next story? Because if not, I think you're going to be into this. I did, yes. Crunchyroll has announced Heim's Quest, an 8-bit action adventure game featuring its mascot character Heim for Game Boy Color and PC browsers. That's right. Game Boy Color. The GBC version will be available for a limited time only via pre-order. The PC version will be free to play and download on supported browsers when it launches in December. Pre-orders for the Game Boy Color will run from November 18th to December 23rd. Priced at $44.99, it will be available in Crunchyroll Orange at the Crunchyroll store or Limited Run Blue at Limited Run Games, which is, I think, a really cool touch. Right. Take control as Crunchyroll Heim to save the anime club from Y2K in her first ever video game, Heim's Quest. Set in 1999, something electric is in the air. A malevolent force has crept into New Crunchy City, wrecking havoc on its technology and tragically destroying the anime club's precious DVD-VCR combo player. Can you root out the dastardly cret- uh, Cretan brazen enough to ruin their meeting? I almost said a different word besides Cretan, but anyway... <laughs> Um, I don't really see Cretan in a in a press release that often. I think this looks cool, dude. 
Yeah, this looks pretty neat. <laughs> I don't have a Game Boy Color to play this on, but I will play this on, on PC via browser. Um, I will check this out when it comes out next month. You know, this... Um this is pretty cool. I, I like these games. I like games like this. And so it's something that I'll check out, you know? Yeah. It's it's the right, you know, it, it, it not necessarily inspired by Pokemon, but there's a lot of Pokemon inspiration here, right? With Crunchyroll Orange and Limited Run Blue. I think this will be something that uh, you might enjoy. You never know. You never know. But those are our news stories. We do have a couple release dates to confirm and one delay. The delay does not surprise me. Soccer Story releases on November 29th. Which, are you picking that up? Uh, that's on Game Pass. Is Soccer Story on Game Oh, it is on Game Pass. Oh, yeah, yeah, so you'll play it. The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition Next Gen Update, which I am looking forward to and I will play, releases on December 14th. And Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge Enhanced Edition releases on February 22nd, which is a launch title for PlayStation VR 2. Are you getting... The PlayStation VR 2. Did we ever talk about that? We did talk about it. I'm not getting it right off the bat. No. Okay. I am. I am going to pick that up. And and so far, my launch list, I'm going to get the bundle pack with the PSVR 2 that comes with Horizon Call of the Mountain. Sure. So obviously I'll have that. But other than that, my launch list looks like for, for games that I know I'll pick up right away. I'm for sure getting Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. I think this looks like an incredible, fun VR experience. I'm also considering getting um, the, oh, what was it called? Uh, there is a Dark Pictures Anthology game for PSVR 2 called Switchback. Okay, right. I probably will get that. And then there was a shooter called The Light Brigade which looked kind of interesting to me, so I might pick that up too. So far, that's kind of my thought on on where I'm going for PSVR 2. Though I, I will say I am intrigued by Zenith The Last City, which is a fantasy MMORPG in PSVR. So I, I might pick you know, that up I'm, too. I'm going to pick up the PSVR eventually. I'm just not going to. Oh, you know you know what a little news story you missed here? What uh, I missed? Immortality, the game that I played, the FMV game, is now available if you have a Netflix subscription. You can play it off of Netflix now. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. nice. It was on Game Pass. Netflix, Netflix, has, been, Netflix. has been doing that. They've, they've definitely been doing that. So not a bad... Uh not a bad thing to do if you have Netflix but don't have any other way of playing it. May as well right. play it there. Absolutely. May as well. Our delay. Did you see this one? <laughs> yes, I did. Dead Island 2 has been delayed to April 28th, 2023. No longer on February 3rd. One day that game will come out. I still don't think it does. You don't think so? You think it's gone forever? It's just going to be delayed forever, dude. There's just no way that game comes out at this point. No way. I mean, I, I will play it if it ever does, but I just don't think it's going to. But yeah. It's been kicked now to April, which takes it out of the uh, Q1 2023 Thunderdome. That'll put it in Q2 now. Good. Yep, gets rid of it there. But yeah, short lightning round. That'll conclude it. Let's move on. This is Kyle, and one day you can be too. Every Friday, I host what is soon to be your favorite podcast, The Media Files. Me and one of my best friends talk about pop culture happening so that you don't look like an uncultured swine during those boring water cooler conversations. Laughs are shared, tears are cried, and sometimes we have really interesting special guests that you might be familiar with. Download The Media Files wherever you download podcasts, and remember, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later. And you know what that music means, Kyle. It is time for the new release roulette for this week. 
and we have a very light week, in my opinion, because it is a holiday week, right? And here in the U.S., Thanksgiving is Thursday, so generally not a very strong week in terms of big games coming out on on average, and I think we see that here. We have three games releasing. I am excited for two of these, however, so let's take a look at this. Game number one, coming on Tuesday to PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, and Xbox One, it is Evil West. A dark menace consumes the American frontier. As one of the last agents in a top-secret vampire hunting institute, you are the final line between humanity and a deep-rooted terror that now emerges from the shadows. Rise up to become a Wild West superhero, eradicate the vampire threat, and save the United States. Are you still interested in this? Ah, interested is a is a big word. I was never super interested in it. I think it looks mega janky. Me too. Um, and not utterly interesting. Me but too. But <laughs> has the chance to be like crazy fun. I'm definitely skipping this. I don't think, unless it's like a 10 out of 10 or some shit, I don't think exactly, there's Exactly, yeah. That's ever... what I mean. There's, there's a chance this blows everybody out of the water. I just don't think it will. No, I doubt it. And I, and I think I will skip it. I know Techie Geek is, I think he's really intrigued by this, isn't he? He is, yes. Yeah, I thought this was the one. Um... I don't think I'm going to pick it up, though. But we'll see. Maybe it's maybe it's amazing, but I doubt it. Game number two I am excited for coming on Tuesday to PC, PS5, Xbox Series, and Nintendo Switch. It is Ship of Fools. Ship of Fools is a seafaring roguelike co-op game where you play the fools, the only creatures foolish enough to brave the sea. The great lighthouse that once protected the archipelago is broken and a storm of malice and corruption is coming. Together, you and your shipmate will jump aboard the Stormstrider and make your voyage across the sea. Man the cannons, ready your sails, and protect your ship from sea monsters over multiple runs. It's up to you to defend your home from the almighty Aquapocalypse. In a clamshell, Ship of Fools is a game about blasting away your seaborne foes with mighty cannons as you defend your ship. Inspired by modern classic roguelites and built for co-op, you'll want to bring your first mate on deck and enjoy awesome combat as you unlock new trinkets and artifacts to help you save the world from catastrophe. This looks like a lot of fun. I think this looks super awesome. Uh, somebody described it as Sea of Thieves meets Overcooked. Basically, uh, yes. And that's it's overcooked on a boat as you try to keep your ship afloat. That sounds like a blast. I've had so much fun with Overcooked over the years, uh, and my wife and I both really enjoy these types of games. I think I think this one is a is a pickup for us for sure. Nice, yeah. I may. I don't know. I don't know that I have anyone to play this with. There probably is online co op. I would assume, but I don't know if for there's sure. if there's online co op, especially mixed with um, like couch co op. You're more than welcome to join in with us. By the I way. may. I may. That might be fun. Wink, giggity, giggity. <laughs> Threesome, Wink. baby. Winky, winky. <laughs> I've always, I've been waiting for you to invite me, just so I could be with you. You know, I, I set up a threesome recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Two people didn't show, but we still had a really good time. <laughs> Game number three, coming also on Tuesday. To PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series, and Xbox One. And it will be available via Xbox Game Pass. It's Gungrave Gore. Stylish third-person shooting meets close-ranged martial arts, creating seamlessly flowing action as you crush your enemies in a gory ballet of bullets. Utilize your unlimited ammo Cerberus pistols and your transformable Evo coffin to unleash devastating combos in pursuit of maximum damage and style. This looks interesting, and I will play this since it's on Game Pass. I was going to gamefly it, but now I don't have to since it's on Game Pass. This looks kind of like Devil May Cry, and I think this could be good. Well, I mean, it's all guns. Yeah, sure. Right. I <laughs> There's a there's a video on YouTube. I was watching the gameplay of this and the top comment said, "This looks like a game, a, a fake game that actors would be playing pretending to play in a movie." <laughs> 
Fair enough. And that's really accurate. This, it's just like, there's like guns and explosions and people are like, headshot. Oh man, big explosion. Cool kill streak. Combo, combo. It's like very arcadey in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know that it'll be good. <laughs> but could be. Maybe not though. It could be. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's on Game Pass, so. Yeah, it's worth a download if you have Game Pass, just to check it out. There's like there's like bodies exploding all over the place. It it does. It looks like a fake video game that actors pretend to play in a movie. <laughs> Could be good. We'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, scoring highest this week, I'd go Ship of Fools. Scoring lowest, I would take Gungrave Gore. And my pick of the week is Ship of Fools. Ship of Fools, pick of the week. Ship of the Fools, highest scoring. Evil West, lowest scoring. Okay, nice. We're a little different there. I like it. I like it. And that's your new release roulette this week. I'm excited to jump into the main discussion because we get to talk the Game Awards 2022. And we are going to run down the categories that were announced and the nominees. And as we do so, you and I are going to make our official predictions for what we think are going to take each category. So if you are unaware, the official Game Awards is on December 8th. So roughly two weeks from the time this podcast posts, Thursday, December 8th, it will air at, uh, I don't know, probably eight, seven, sometime in the evening on December 8th. And I will be yeah, it's live. Like, it's like 530 here, I think. Yeah. And I will be live over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash RPG era. This is something I will live react to and watch. So if you are interested, you can join me and uh, watch along. Do you remember how hyped I got last Game Awards when they I announced do. the Game of the Year winner? I was jumping. You I were, jumped off was, of my couch. It, it was, uh, it takes two. Yes, it was. So deserved. Yeah, you were you were very, very happy with that, as you should have been. So, But let's run down this. We're going to start from the bottom and work our way up to Game of the Year, the most important award. And some of these are, you know, BS awards. We'll just kind of go through quickly. We have Best Esports Event, recognizing an event across single or multiple days that delivered a best of class experience for participants and the broadcast audience. Nominees are EVO 2022, 2022 League of Legends World Championship, PGL Major Antwerp 2022, which I don't even know what that is for. The 2022 Midseason Invitational and Valorant Champions 2022. No, this there's a correct answer to this. Um, there's an obvious answer to this, and it's the 2022 League of Legends World Championship. That's what that I would take was, as well. That was absolutely massive this year. The storyline going into it, the team that won, it's a it's an absolute anime arc. It was unbelievable what happened uh with with the team that won Agreed. A, a, a team that was like fourth place in their region climbs the ranks ends up facing the best team in the world SKTT1 the goat faker against the prodigy deft it was just unbelievable an absolute unbelievable storyline those two dudes went to the same high school together it's just it, 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 it can't be written you can't write things like that so this is <laughs> it's one of the craziest esports stories of all time I was so hyped about it that's the winner yeah that's what I would take as well absolutely best esports coach the esports coach judged to be the most outstanding for performance and conduct in 2021 nominees were Andre Blade Horodensky Matthias BZKA Tarasconi probably gonna say some of this shit wrong Eric Doombros Sandgren, Robert Robin Dahlstrom, or Go Score Dongbin. Don't know. I don't know either. Uh, if I had to take one, I would say 
I'm going to go off names. I like Dongbin. Okay. He's the Gen G coach for League of Legends. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I will take, um, I, you know what? I will take uh, Robert Dahlstrom. All right. The the coach for FaZe Clan for Counter-Strike Go. They make some good one. G feels. Yeah, they do. Uh, next up, we have best esports team recognizing a specific esports team, not the full organization, judged the most outstanding for performance and conduct in 2021. Nominees are Dark Zero Esports, FaZe Clan, Gen G, LA Thieves, or Loud. No, I don't know. I'm going to go LA Thieves for Call of Duty. Sure. You are as well? I'm in. Okay. Yeah. All right. Best esports athlete, the esports athlete judged to be the most outstanding for performance and conduct in 2021, irrespective of game. Nominees are Zhang Shovi Jihoon, Lee Faker Song Hyuk, yep. Finn Kerrigan Anderson, Alexander Simple Kotsiliv, and Jacob Ye Whitaker. And I think yeah, we're they're both missing, taking Faker. They're missing Deft, who actually should be the winner here. He's the one I was just talking about from the League of Legends World Championship, but we'll take Faker. Yeah, I think we're both taking Faker here. Probably the rightful winner. Best esports game for the game that has delivered the most overall esports experience to players, inclusive of tournaments, community support, and content updates, irrespective of genre or platform. Nominees are Counter Strike Global Offense, Dota 2, League of Legends, Rocket League, and Valorant. And I feel like we're both taking League of Legends here. Uh, man, Rocket League has really stepped up their production recently. I've been enjoying that. I also am pretty upset that there's no Super Smash Brothers on this list. Uh, but yeah, League of Legends. Most anticipated game, recognizing an announced game that has de- uh, demonstrably illustrated potential to push the gaming medium forward. Nominees are Final Fantasy 16, Hogwarts Legacy, Resident Evil 4, Starfield, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I am taking Tears of the Kingdom. I'm taking Tears of the Kingdom. Um I don't I don't think some of the games on this list even kind of Hogwarts Legacy is just an open world Harry Potter game. Who cares? Resident Evil 4 shouldn't be on here either. Resident Evil 4 shouldn't be on there. Uh Starfield definitely belongs on that list. As does uh, 16, Final Fantasy 16. FF16 sure, but I'm taking Tears of the Kingdom absolutely. Best adaptation. I love this category. Recognizing outstanding creative work that faithfully and authentically adapts a video game to another entertainment medium. The nominees are Arcane, League of Legends, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, The Cuphead Show, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and Uncharted. And I would take Arcane, League of Legends. It's Arcane. That Arcane is so good. It's so, I was thinking about it at work. I was listening to some of the music when I was at the gym the other day. I was like, man, this show, I want to watch it again. I couldn't believe it when I was, I've told everybody to watch that show. That show is so stupidly good. And I've watched some of Cyberpunk Edge Runners, and that show's pretty good too. I actually kind of dig it. The soundtrack freaking slaps. I listen to that soundtrack sometimes. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 wasn't good. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. What else was on there? Uncharted, who cares? Uncharted, the Sonic the Hedgehog 2, and the Cuphead show. Oh, Cuphead show. That was, uh, it was fun. It was fine. It lost all the charm from the Cuphead games, so um, they they missed the mark there a little bit. But uh, no, the answer here is Arcane. Absolutely. And it's interesting because three of these five nominees were by Netflix. Arcane, Cyberpunk, and the Cuphead show. You're absolutely right. And and they've Netflix is becoming like the savior of, of video game adapted media because right. they are between Cyberpunk, uh, Arcane, Cuphead show, and Castlevania. They've actually really turned out some pretty good stuff. Yeah, Castlevania is incredible. They've turned out some really, really cool stuff on there. And uh, hopefully Last of Us turns out really good on HBO. That premieres uh, beginning of January. January. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'll be watching. I'll be watching. That trailer was hype. Sure was. Best debut indie for the best debut game created by a new independent studio. Nominees are Neon White, Norco, Stray, Tunic, and Vampire Survivors. And I know you're going to be torn between Neon White and Vampire Survivors, probably. I would take Neon White. 
Um, you know what? They're, these are all really, really good. These are all really good. Um, I think Van. Ah, oh, man. Neon White's so fun. Vampire Survivors. I I still play Vampire Survivors, Brian. I still as, play as that does game. Bedroth and a lot of other people. Yeah, my buddy Jeff, who's been on the Media Files a thousand times, he plays it. I've gotten so many people into this game. It's so much fun. Uh, Tunic was f- good. I didn't like it as much as everybody else did. I don't think. Um, Stray's great. Stray is awesome. Norco's great. Norco was amazing, but it is a point-and-click adventure that's just kind of a really good narrative, though. Oh, it was so good. Um, shoot, Vampire Survivors. I think they, they made okay. a new genre. They did. For a debut, in, a debut game from a studio to create a genre of game. I mean, they really did it. I, I think it's got to go to Vampire Survivors for me. All right. Oh, Content that creator so fun, of the year. <laughs> Content creator of the year for a st- uh, for a streamer or content creator who has made an important and positive impact on the community in 2021. Nominees are Carl Jacobs, Ludwig, Nebelian, No Brew, and QT Cinderella. And I'm taking Nebelian. Um, QT Cinderella is probably gonna gonna win here. Um, I th- I think that the ones that should be on here aren't. And of course, this is all subjective. You just find the sure. content creators yeah. you like. I think that Asmongold is probably the rightful winner here. I think He that has Asmongold really has... stepped up his game this year. Not only and that. last year. It turns out that he's also a genuinely great dude. And has... He might, you know what? Because this is for 2021, he might be nominated next year. I maybe I don't know, but he I think he deserves it here. I think there's a few others that deserve it also, but um yeah I amaranth nice she's just amaranth. <laughs> I don't think she does anything super special. Um, Asmongold, I think does. She's way better now, dude. She's way better now. Uh, not, yeah, she was. Not, not, she not was in a hot not. tub. She was in a hot tub in a bikini last night playing Pokemon. So yeah, I mean, she's she still does the content that got her views right when she was being forced to do that shit. Yeah, but. Now that she's, she's doing it, now that she's doing it on her own and just when she wants to do it, she's way more happier, which is good for her. That's that's the important thing. So, yeah, I think Cutie Cinderella wins here, though. She she okay. actually like did a bunch of stuff. Anyways, yeah. Best multiplayer for outstanding online multiplayer gameplay and design, including co-op and massively multiplayer experiences. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Multiverses, no. Overwatch 2, no. Splatoon no. 3 and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. I think I would go with I'm going to go with multiverses. Multiverses has a chance here just because it was a big splash in the industry. Um, I like Splatoon 3, man. I, I, I think that the way that they do like the okay. uh, community challenges where yeah. you choose a side, right? And you're that color for the entire week or season or whatever. And you have to like fight for your team and whoever does better wins, you know, ketchup or mustard. Um, it's, it's a good idea. It's cool. I think yeah. it's so cool. I think it's so unique. Uh, and Splatoon 3 has is, is been huge this year. So okay. I, I think Splatoon 3 here. All right. Best sports racing. Obviously, we know what that is. F1 2022, FIFA 23, NBA 2K23, Gran Turismo 7, or Oli Oli World. I would take, you know what? This category doesn't matter to me. If it was my choice, I would take Oli Oli World. And that's what I'm going to go uh, with. Oli Oli World's the only one I've played, I think. Um, and uh, I loved it. And All my right. kids like it. And there it's you go. a great game. So There you go. Best Sim Strategy, Dune Spice Wars, Mario Rapid Sparks of Hope, Total War Warhammer 3, Two Point Campus, or Victoria 3. I'm going to go with Sparks of Hope. Sparks of Hope for me. Best Family, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, Mario Rabbit Sparks of Hope, Nintendo Switch Sports, or Splatoon 3. I'm going to go Splatoon 3. What, what was this one? Best Family. 
Yeah, I don't care. I didn't, I I don't know if I played any of these. Did I play any of these? Kirby in the Forgotten Land. Oh, I did play Kirby. I'm going. I'm taking Kirby. Lego that game was Skywalker dope. Saga. You played that? That game sucks. I'm taking Kirby. <laughs> Kirby for life, baby. Let's go. Skywalker Saga is garbage. My kids, my kids are obsessed with it. By the way, no, they like bad games. Well, he's, I mean, my youngest is four. He freaking loves it. He's also <laughs> really good at it. There you go. There you go. Uh, best fighting game. DNF Duel, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All-Star Battle R, The King of Fighters 15, Multiverses, or Sifu? I'm going to go Multiverses. Uh, multiverses. Best RPG. Elden Ring, Live Alive, Pokemon Legends Arceus, Triangle Strategy, Xenoblade Chronicles 3. And I'm going to go Elden Ring. Yeah, I guess Elden Ring. I'm not sure I'd consider it an RPG, but... I don't. I don't know that I would either. And in a realistic world, Xenoblade Chronicles Three would win this. Yes, absolutely. But, um, Elden Ring being in the category, I think, is going to make that win. Best action adventure: A Plague Tale Requiem, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Tunic. And this is obviously going to go to Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Best action game: Bayonetta Three, Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Two, Neon White, Sifu, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. And I feel like this is going to go to Bayonetta Three. I th- I feel like it will go to Bayonetta Three. Um, and I I'm okay with that. Best virtual reality, augmented reality: After the Fall, Among Us VR, Bone Lab, Moss Book Two, Red Matter Two. I don't know. I haven't played any of them yet. I'm gonna take Moss Book Two. Do you have a pick? Uh, I don't know. Among Us. Okay. Innovation and accessibility. Recognizing software and or hardware that is pushing the medium forward by adding features, technology, and content to help games be played and enjoyed by an even wider audience. Nominees are As Dusk Falls, God of War Ragnarok, Return to Monkey Island, The Last of Us Part 1, and The Quarry. Uh, this will be between The Last of Us Part 1 and God of War Ragnarok. Both of those I, included. I agree. I do think, however, Last of Us Part 1 is going to win because it had more. It, it has a ton. I mean, you can turn, like, the entire game green into, like, 3D models if that helps you. So, yeah, yeah I, right. I think that wins. Okay. Best community support. Recognizing a game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, and No Man's Sky. Um, they are missing the actual winner of the of the genre here, um, and that's Deep Rock Galactic. Okay, okay, okay. I think that Deep Rock Galactic is the way that they communicate with their community, uh, the way that the devs are. There was a there was, there's a story on the Deep Rock Galactic subreddit where a guy in a comment or a guy posted a, a Reddit post that said it would be nice if. If on the mini map you could show where the loading dock of your ship was so that you knew which way to approach your ship when you bring back like, you know, supplies and stuff. And a developer replied and said, you got it. And two hours later, the game was updated. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Actually. There was a small update pushed into the game. And that was all they added was on the mini map. You can now see which way your ship is facing. That's um, pretty incredible. And that's a true story that, you know, uh, I think that they are the winner here. Um, and I'm going to go Destiny 2, however. Yeah, sure. Okay. Best mobile game, Apex Legends Mobile, Diablo Immortal, Genshin Impact, Marvel Snap, or Tower of Fantasy? Marvel Snap. Marvel Snap? Is that actually good? Yeah, people love this game, man. They say it's actually a really, really fun card game. Uh, Not a lot of, like, it's not really heavy into, like, the microtransaction ordeal, uh, which is why I'm staring away from the other games on this list. But I take Marvel Snap here. I would go Genshin Impact. Uh, Best indie game, Cult of the Lamb. Neon White, Sifu, Stray, or Tunic. And I would take Cult of the Lamb. 
I think Cult of the Lamb for me, I can see Stray being a victor here, though, uh, because okay. I really did enjoy Stray. Me Cult too. of the Lamb was more important for me this year, and so yeah. that's my pick. Um, Mine but too. Either of those two. Yep, I would go Cult of the Lamb as well. Best ongoing game. Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy 14, Fortnite, or Genshin Impact? Mm-hmm. I'm going to For- stick with Final Fantasy 14. I'm going to take Fortnite with the no build mode. Okay. I like that, actually. That's a good solid pick. That was a big uh, a big update this year. So Okay. That's a solid pick. Games for Impact. I know you're excited for this category. For a thought-provoking game with a pro-social meaning or message. A Memoir Blue, As Dusk Falls, Citizen Sleeper, Endling Extinction is Forever, Hindsight, or I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. I know you're going Citizen Sleeper. I'm going Citizen Sleeper. Citizen Sleeper currently sits as my number two game of the year. I'm going to take I Was a Teenage Exocolonist. Yeah. Ah, man. You got to play Citizen Sleeper, Brian. I will. That game moved me. And then I got I got a buddy of mine to play it and he played he he did like four playthroughs consecutively. He couldn't get enough of it. It's a fantastic game. Damn. Yeah, check it it out. I I, it will. It like choked me up in multiple parts. I was like, what am I? And there's no voice acting. Everything's everything's dialogue on the screen. And I was like, like getting like choked up reading this. I'm like, what am I doing? It's so good. Best performance awarded to an individual for voice acting, motion, and or performance capture. Ashley Birch from Horizon Forbidden West. Charlotte McBurney from A Plague Tale Requiem. Christopher Judge from God of War Ragnarok. Man Engage from Immortality. Or Sonny Suljic from God of War Ragnarok. I'm going to take Sonny Suljic. Who who did Sonny Suljic play? Atreus. Okay. Uh, see... This is this is a really strong category. The only one I don't think wins here is Ashley Birch. Um, but Man Engage from Immortality was amazing. Oh yeah. Uh obviously Christopher Priest, incredible. Christopher, Christopher Judge. Um, Christopher Judge, excuse me. Yeah. Um who is who else was on there? Charlotte McBurney from a Oh my Requiem. gosh, how incredible. What an absolutely amazing performance. Um, there, There's going to be three people that deserve to win that won't here. Um, and one person that deserves to win that will. And any of those four, anybody besides Ashley Birch for me uh, can take who would this you, and I'll be Who would you happy. take as your pick between these Shoot, five? Man, I don't know. I th- think. See, I. I'm here. I'm really split 50 50 between Man Engage and Christopher Judge. Okay. Man Engage, Man Engage does a, I mean, an Oscar level acting job. It sounds like you're leading that way. And that's okay if you are, because it's a solid pick. I take Man Engage. Yeah. Okay. 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 Best audio design. Recognizing you know the what best. It is. You know what it is. Man What's Engage that? showed me her boobs. Christopher Judge didn't there. Okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's solid. Fair enough. Best audio design. Recognizing the best in game audio and sound design. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West. You know, this is one that I could honestly give to like Gran, Gran Turismo or Modern Warfare. Uh, sound design is something that I think the Call of Duty games always does super duper good. They do. They do. However, I still think it's going to come down to between Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok for audio design. I actually think I would take Elden Ring here. I, yeah, that'd be fine with me. Okay. Best score in music for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. I've got an answer here, too. Yeah, me too. There's a correct answer for this one. There, there absolutely is. A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden nope. Ring, God of War nope. Ragnarok, nope. Metal Hellsinger, yes. and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Yeah, and it's absolutely. Metal Hellsinger. It's, it's Metal Hellsinger. It really is. Yeah. That should win. It's, it's, I, I still listen to that soundtrack with regularity. I mean, it's so, so good. 
Yeah. Two Feathers composed, um, you know, brought in a lot of big names from the heavy metal industry to do vocals on all the different songs like Alyssa White Glues, uh, Serge Tankian, Matt Heafy. There's some big names on the soundtrack. It deserves to win. Best Art Direction, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Scorn, and Stray. Uh, yeah, I, I say either Stray or Scorn for this one, honestly. I think those are the ones that stood out to me in terms of art direction. I would take Scorn. Yeah. Yeah, I would take Scorn. Best Narrative, A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, and Immortality. All right. So, <laughs> I I think that God of War Ragnarok wins here, but you Me can too. make a really strong case for A Plague Tale Requiem. I think you can make a strong case for Immortality as well. <laughs> yes. But I do not think you can make a strong case for Elden Ring because the narrative is second to the gameplay. Yeah, that's that the narrative is almost what narrative in this game. Um, yeah, it's I to me, this is Plague Tale Requiem or God of War. I think it's God of War. I agree. Best game direction. And we're almost done. We got two left. Best game direction. Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Immortality and Stray. And here I take Elden Ring. Yeah, I think I do, too. Um. Yeah, I think this goes to Elden Ring. All right, which leaves us Game of the Year. A Plague Tale Requiem, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, Stray, and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I think you and I are going to differ on this one. I think we will. Because for, for Game of the Year, I am going God of War. Yeah, and for uh, for Game of the Year for me, it's Elden Ring. Um, and, and I've not finished God of War yet. I will relatively soon. Um, yeah. I think they're both 10 out of 10 games. Right? As do I. So, As do I. Yes. You know, if God of War wins, I'm not like throwing a fit. Um, but I do think that you've got a 50-50 shot right now of either of these winning. I lean towards Elden Ring because of the the massive cultural impact and surprise that that game was kind of on the world, right? The only the the, the last time that this happened, I think, was um, Animal Crossing: New Horizons, when okay. people were like posting about it on Instagram. People were talking about it like all over. The, you know, you couldn't really do much without hearing about Animal Crossing. And Elden Ring was kind of the same. It just took over and I think it propelled, you know, like Soulsborne, Souls-like games into a new stratosphere of popularity that they hadn't been in before. God of War, phenomenal game. Fantastic. Probably more accessible. But not treading new ground, I think, gameplay-wise or creatively in a way that Elden Ring did and explored you know, or or opened up that exploration for so many more people. And I think the way that it turned the Souls-like genre into an open world game that was so expansive and so big, I think that that takes the cake for me. And that, I mean, that's a strong argument. And I, and it's part of the reason that I think Elden Ring does stand such a solid chance. I think God of War slightly edges it out in terms of who will be voting Right for for the for the panel for the game awards because of the narrative and Elden Ring's lack thereof of a narrative, right? Uh, even though it was there, right? Elden Ring had a narrative. It just wasn't as in your face as Ragnarok's is, and I think Ragnarok being. 
basically a Hollywood production in a video game with still incredible gameplay and still cultural impact as well. I mean, you have all of these big name actors and actresses dressing up as Kratos for commercials and you're seeing it everywhere. I I do think the impact is there for Ragnarok as well. And I think that slightly edges it out based on the narrative. I don't know. It's going to go one of two ways. It's and it and I would be I'd be happy with either. Honestly, my pick is Elden Ring. It sits as my number one game of the year currently. Um, I I don't. I'm I'm very happy with Ragnarok. I do think it's a ten out of ten. I I don't see it edging out that by the end of the year. Um, you know. I, w- I want to see Elden Ring win also because, you know, from software winning it for Sekiro back in 2019. Yes. Uh, I think that was a that was big in a in a lot of ways. Right. I don't think a lot of people expected Sekiro to get game of the year that year. Probably not. But it was deserved. It was deserved. Yeah. It, and not to say that it wasn't right. Sekiro was huge. Everybody yeah. loved it. Amazing. Um, And. I want to see what it was up against. Game Awards 2019. Let's see. It, I mean, it doesn't really matter, but... um, Oh, here we go. Da, da, da. It was up against Control, Death Stranding, The Outer Worlds, Resident Evil 2, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So, I mean, it had a... And a lot of people wanted Control to win. I personally wanted Death Stranding to win. Um, You know, a really, really good list of games there. And I was fine with Sekiro winning. I think that Elden Ring is a better game than Sekiro is. And, I agree. I agree. And I think that it does much more than Sekiro does. And I think that it propels this genre forward in ways that Sekiro didn't and in ways that God of War doesn't. You know, so so you're right. The narrative and the the voice acting, just the production quality of God of War Ragnarok may be enough to push it over the edge. I don't know. But it'll be interesting. And I and I don't see any game besides one of these two winning. Correct. Uh, um, I will say that Stray being nominated is pretty cool. I there's always I love that an it indie is. game that gets I thrown mean, in there. I mean, super cool for that team. Great game. Yeah, yeah great game. Stray, Stray being in there, fine. Not the indie game I would have chosen. Probably again, I would have chosen Citizen Sleeper because I loved that game so much. Um, I have. I also could have seen either Immortality or uh, I thought something. it was going to be Immortality and not Stray. Yeah, Immortality, Tunic, Cult of the Lamb. I could have seen some of these games getting a nod as well um, over Stray, but since it was Stray, that's fine. Uh, it was a it was a great game, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I think the sleeper pick here. If if one is going to take us by surprise, it would be a Plague Requiem. Yeah, I can agree. I can agree with that. I don't think that and, and too bad for Xenoblade, right? <laughs> right. It's a very strong category this year because in and, and other years, Xenoblade 3 would have a, a real good chance. Yeah. Yeah. But this is what we've got this year. I'm really happy with it. And Me too. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with this list of games. I, th- I think these are all all of these. None of these games are bad. I'm, I don't think that any one of these games doesn't right. deserve to be nominated. So, right. Yeah. It's going to be a fun time, obviously, when we uh, sit down to watch the game awards together. I know you'll probably be in the chat live. Uh, you'll be watching alongside as long as you're not at work or busy at the time. So no, I'll be there. I'll be there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of fun. Like I said, we'll be reacting live to the game awards over on the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash RPG era on December 8th. Make sure you join us for all the world premieres and all the awards themselves. So it'll be a lot of fun. But Kyle, you know what that music means. Before we get on out of here, we need to do a little Kickstart My Heart. And this week for Kickstart My Heart, we have a magical and mysterious world of Fern Island, which is being described as a feel-good game. Kyle did have to step out for this one, but that's okay. We're going to continue on. The name of the game is The Witch of Fern Island. The Witch of Fern Island tells a story of a young girl who wants to become a real witch. 
immerse yourself in the history of the island and get to know its inhabitants, it's time to find your place in the world. The Witch of Fern Island combines gameplay elements of multiple categories, sandbox, open world with elements of RPG, adventure, and exploration. You can play endlessly. The daily and calendar system allows players to feel the passage of time. They can observe changes in the community, the seasons of the year, and take part in various holidays and festivals. There will always be interesting activities on the Fern Island. All this and more will allow you to experience an immersive adventure as a real witch. Your main character is Abriel. says during your stay on the Fern Island, you can take part in witchcraft practices such as performing magic rituals, exploring the secrets of the island, or helping culturally diverse people. What kind of person you become, how will the people perceive you, and how much truth about the island you will manage to uncover will be reflected in your evaluation. Your progress will be judged by the members of the Academy of Witches who will contact Abriel through a glass ball so that she can continue her studies and pass exams to become a full-fledged witch. You will be able to customize your main character according to your needs. Get a mirror, use it to change hair colors and, and hairstyles. Create your own clothes from the acquired raw materials or go to the city to discover more and more new sets every now and then. After purchasing a set, you can find it in your closet back at home. Just kind of cool. It looks like here, let's let's look at the features here. Be a witch. Learn powerful rituals to protect your farm, rule the weather, or peek into the future. Brew magical potions to help the island's inhabitants with their problems, or help yourself in discovering the secrets of the island. Craft amulets, talismans, and other items that you can sell in the witch's stall. And don't forget your magical friends. Familiars will offer advice, and the Enchanted Cauldron will help you discover new recipes. So this game does have elements of, of farming sims, so we do have a farm. It's called the Witch Farm. Special ingredients are needed for magical rituals and potions. By putting in a bit of hard work or cunning in magic, you can make sure that your facilities are taken care of. Check out activities like the cultivation of plants or animal breeding. You can grow herbs discovered on the island in your own garden, enchant vegetables to find out their extraordinary magical varieties, and crossbreed animals to discover new breeds. So watermelons can become air melons, red beets can become heartbeats, cabbage can become cabbage catcher, carrots can become thunder carrots, onions can become onion rings, and beans can become serpent beans, among others, I'm sure. That's just what they're showing in the actual Kickstarter campaign. You got magical ingredients like clams and sapphires and rosy maple moths and blue sack frogs. A ton of ingredients you will have to use in order to make things. Obviously, there's alchemy with the extraordinary cauldron who is talking. It says, unravel its forgotten history and it will faithfully assist you throughout the game while brewing potions. Which is kind of cool. Uh, let's see here. We have a witch's stall. Every potion, item, ingredient, fruit, and vegetable crops that can be produced can be put on sale at the witch's stall. That way, Abriel is able to support herself and turn her hard work into earnings. The residents will be happy to pay extra for the more magically complicated items. Which, shout out to Sev, goes into a little bit of the Moonlighter territory, which is kind of cool. There is fishing in the game where you can catch different types of fish, such as sturgeons, roach, barracudas, carps, and bleaks, and I'm sure there will be more. We have kaflaus. Kaflaus, a magical variety of real-world hens, can commonly be found on Fern Island. The island is home to more than 20 breeds. 
Some are purchasable from locals, others roam wild. It is possible to obtain additional breeds by crossbreeding these two types. So there's different types of kerflows you can have. We have familiars, obviously, like a raven or a black cat. You can customize the inside of your own home, the birch grove, kind of like Animal Crossing and decorating the inside of the house. You can perform rituals at the special altar. And then, of course, Fern Island itself, the main town is called Barrow End. But there are also establishments such as the Sweet Corner Cafe, the Flower Bee Garden Store, and Birdhouse Diner. Each corner is waiting to be explored. This game looks really cool. There's a lot of things going here. I do hope this is able to get funded as of time of recording. And this is a very big Kickstarter campaign in terms of the information that is provided. I'm only going through a little bit of it here because it is so in-depth. The soundtrack, uh, I did listen to a snippet of the soundtrack that is available called Exploration Theme. It has a nice uh, ethereal feel to it, uh, to use a word that Bedroth and I use pretty frequently on BG Mania Video Game Music Podcast. I think this soundtrack could be something really cool. I don't know who actually is doing. I'm trying to look here to see if the, the soundtrack composer is not credited as of yet so i don't know who's actually doing it but as of time of recording on the on the 19th of november there are still 18 days to go the goal is fifteen thousand five hundred and eighteen dollars they are currently sitting at ten thousand seven hundred and fifty one so they are over half they are almost like three-fourths of the way there over the next 18 days i do think this game will be funded they have yet to reveal any stretch goals since the game is not yet funded but once it is i'm sure stretch goals will come into play and if you do want a copy of the witch of fern island there are several tiers as usual you can get a simple steam key for about 17 us dollars it would come with in-game wall decorations and a discord title in the official discord if you want a little bit more you can pay 32 dollars to get high-res digital wallpapers digital soundtrack in-game farm decorations as well as the steam key for $63, you can get two Steam keys and even more stuff in the game. And then it goes up from there. The highest tier, it's actually a, a really high tier because it goes from that $63 tier to $156, which gets you three Steam keys and even more stuff in the game, like a witch, a unique witch outfit and, and more. But for $1,244 US dollars, which is limited to five backers. Nobody has backed it yet. You would get three Steam keys, high-res digital wallpaper, in-game wall decoration, in-game farm decoration, the soundtrack, the art book, name in the credits, a unique witch hat, the Discord title, in-game giant stuffed Kerflau toy, unique witch outfit, unique Zoro skin. But the thing here is that you get to design yourself as an in-game tourist to be in the actual game itself. Not a huge kind of incentive, I don't think. Doesn't come with like, you know, any trips or something like some of these higher price tiers usually do, which might be why no one has actually pledged to that yet. And there still is five available out of the five on there. However, I do think this game looks really, really charming. They are shooting to have it out by April 2024. So roughly less than two years, maybe a year and a half to go. I think it looks good. If you're interested in a magical and mysterious world that does combine elements of farm sims and, you know, Animal Crossing type stuff and exploration games, check it out. Head on over to Kickstarter.com. The name of the game is The Witch of Fern Island. And now that we're done with Kickstart My Heart, Kyle, you are back with me to close out the Max Level podcast this week. And the only way you know how, a holiday pee-pee.
Well, it won't be. I mean, it, I guess it is a holiday PP because of uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, right? yeah. You put a little turkey hat on it or something. Or a, yeah, uh, but it's not. Not really a turkey know. hat, but um, like a, a turkey. A pilgrim's hat. Yeah, a pilgrim's hat. Yeah. yeah. I uh, New episode of The Media Files, we did talk about um, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever with Sean. Had a really good discussion about that. And it was a great episode. Go listen to that. Uh, but I'm going to choose a song from that soundtrack because I do think the soundtrack of that movie was so good. My favorite song from the soundtrack, it's the song that ends the movie, uh, but it's called Lift Me Up by Rihanna. I think it's just a freaking beautiful song to to cap off what is a pretty emotional movie in a lot of ways. Not a perfect movie, but a movie that I really enjoyed. You knew it was going to be emotional, though. You knew that movie would be emotional. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. And it gets you. It, it really does. <laughs> but uh, the song is Lift Me Up by Rihanna. This episode of the Max Level Podcast has been brought to you by RPGera.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check us out on YouTube and Twitch and make sure you're subscribed or following at both places with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media as well as to our Discord server and all other important information can be found in the show notes for this episode.